0: to be back. How many of y'all been on vacation before? Did y'all like it? How many of y'all like going versus coming back? Going so much more fun. You know what I'm saying? The ride don't seem long. I mean, it's like, oh, we got eight hours. It's okay. Whee! Everybody's happy, drinking coffee, snacks, just having a good time. On the way back, it's like, Whoa! I gotta get home. Gotta get home. You know, this is awful. You know. Uh, But, man, we had a great time uh, in uh, Orlando, and and we didn't go to Walt Disney World. Imagine that. I mean, we got Mickey Mouse running everywhere. On the side of trucks, everywhere you can look, there's Mickey, Donald, and the whole family saying, come, take all your money. I mean, like like a big Pac-Man. But uh, we had fun just hanging out by the pool, went to the beach a few days. Obviously, with all the hurricane stuff going on, there was hardly anybody at the beach, you know, and. I didn't know this, but you could have a hurricane like a 1,000 miles out in the ocean, and it will affect all the beaches around where that hurricane is. So, I mean, there was nobody there uh, hardly, and, uh, but it was beautiful beaches. I'm thinking, man, it's a perfect time to come. I mean, you got the whole beach to yourself, you know. Uh, but we had a good time. But uh, we're back, and we're excited about being back, and uh, God's going to do some great things. I believe God's going to do some great things in your life starting today. Many of you guys study the word. Many of you guys spend time with Jesus during the week. But I believe when we come together, there is a corporate anointing. There's a corporate word that God can give each one of us in this setting if we'll be expecting. Amen. Don't expect nothing from Nathan. Because if you expect something from me, I promise you, I will let you down. Amen. I will do it. So let's expect God to move. Through this old clay ball here, you know, and just work his way through all of us. But before I get started, uh, Belinda is wanting to have a, a woman's fellowship with all the women. Hallelujah. And that's going to be on uh, Friday uh september 28th which i think it's not this friday but next friday at the church here she's gonna prepare salad t-bone steak and we're gonna do salad (laughs) then it's gonna be fellowship and uh, i'm sure she'll have some other little twists and stuff but it's just a good time for all the ladies to come together and just kind of fellowship and share and i know it'll be good so if you want more information you don't have to look far she's right here on the front row hallelujah glory to god so y'all can see her after church and also, I wanted to say that if we could have everybody start bringing individually wrapped candy, uh, we're having a huge fall festival. I know we're small in here. We're believing to get bigger, but we're going to have something big outside, okay? We're going to have the Henry County Fire Department here. We're going to have so much going on for the community. Uh, at the. Uh, I think it's the last Saturday of October. But we want to be able to bless the community. We don't want to charge no money for hot dogs. We don't want to charge nothing because with Jesus, His things are free. Amen. We want to do the same thing. We want to be able to do it. And as long as we can do it, we're going to do it. So with your help of maybe even bringing some individually wrapped hot dogs that we can freeze, individually wrapped candy where we can start piling it up to where we can bless the community as well as our own family as well. So just put that on your uh, day timer and start bringing candy in every week and we'll just see it pile up and we can be a huge blessing um with that too so and again kurt said next sunday is going to be breakfast from 9 a.m to 10 10 a.m i mean come on guys y'all like to eat ain't nobody in this room but don't like to eat and when you go on vacation man it's like you know we stay at a resort and we're like okay we're gonna save some money go out and get groceries and all that (laughs) yeah right (laughs) you go get the groceries everybody says well y'all well not really let's go out and eat (laughs) i'm thinking you don't spend 80 to 100 dollars on groceries you don't even want to eat them you know so uh But come out next Sunday. Miss Cindy's going to be preparing a big breakfast. I promise you it will be big. It will be good. So be here between 9 and 10. And let's just have a time of fellowship. I mean, man, maybe you don't know some of the people in here or whatever. Maybe you like to get to know somebody. So, hey, come in. That's the best time to do it. And you can sit right beside me and we'll sit around and talk and, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm sure the Georgia Bulldogs will win again and we can talk about that if y'all want to. Uh, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about no college sports. I know it can be a, in the South, it can be a touchy subject. Hallelujah. Come on. (laughs) Glory to God. Well, let's pray. We're going to get into the word. I'm really excited about this. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus and we just thank you for a wonderful, glorious time to be in church and to be in your presence. And Holy Spirit, we expect you to move in our hearts and to touch us in a way that only you can. Because everybody in this room, including myself, Father God, we're facing issues, we're facing things. We need answers. And we believe that today you will answer those questions we have. You'll answer those problems that we have. You'll give us direction where we need it in this time and season of our life. And we just give you praise and going on. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, last week, if you were here, you heard uh, Pastor Craig Rochelle kicked off a series, When the Devil Knocks, okay? And how many of you know uh, that the devil does knock? He knocks at the door of everybody's heart. He knocks at the door of everybody's life. Whether you're saved or you're not saved, only that when you get saved, you kind of realize that there, there is an enemy out there. When I was lost and in the world, I really didn't even know about an enemy. I just knew that this was bad and that was good and I didn't know who was behind what. I just, you know, kind of just went with, went with life, down the road of life. But the reality is, is we live in a world and there is two forces at work in everything we do. There is an enemy and there is a God, okay? And they're both trying to do something in our lives. Unsaved are saved. And like Pastor Craig last, last week talked about the deceiver and I think that is one of the biggest things he does is deceive us. Because how many of you know that you, you, you only know that you're deceived when you don't know, okay? You don't know what's going on. And the times that you think you're doing the right thing, but you're not, that's called deception. And He is very good at deceiving all of us and getting us down pathway whether you know God or you don't know God. It don't matter. He works day and night to get us off course. But I wanted to read a particular passage uh, that's not in our notes today, but I wanted to read this out of 1 Peter chapter 5 uh, in verse 5. If you want to look in your your, your Whatever, your phone, you brought a Bible. I mean, did anybody bring a Bible? <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Come on. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa. Hallelujah. They still make them. Uh, I use the uh, version Bible app. And if you don't have that downloaded, it. it's really good. You can have 100 translations and, man, a touch of a finger. But I want to read out of First Peter chapter 5 because I think one of the things the devil really you know, enjoys trying to convince so many, and he has convinced a lot of people that he don't exist, I know Pastor Craig said that last week, that he wants to convince people that he does not exist. And that is one of the biggest lies that you could ever imagine, that he does not exist. So I wanted to read this before I get started. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. So what kind of clothes should we have on? We should be humble. We should be humble. For God resists the who? Proud. But He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and who will exalt you in due time? God will exalt you in due time. Now listen to what God says do with all your care. Cast all your care upon Him because He cares for you. Why would He say that? He knows the longer you carry it, the more apt you are to be destroyed or be hurt or try to figure out how to get out of this mess you're in. Only God can help us in life, amen, to go the right way. So we want to give all these cares, these anxieties. We want to give them to the Lord because He cares for us. But listen to verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. There were some powerful words, guys. He's talking to all of us to be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Now when's the last time you walked around and the enemy... And a lion come up beside you and said, I'm the devil. Wow. No. That ain't going to happen. So we're not looking for a physical lion or a physical being that's looking like a lion. No. It's a spiritual force. And this is what's driving the whole world. This is driving the spiritual force. The good. The bad. Just like there's a kingdom of God, there's a kingdom of the devil. He has mirrored the kingdom of heaven. Satan has come to this earth. He was cast out of heaven, okay, with one-third of the angels. So what he's done is he's come to earth and he's set up his kingdom that kind of mirrors God's. Satan is at the head of his kingdom. Now we found out last week that Satan is a deceiver. So what would Satan be teaching his followers? How to deceive, correct? He would be teaching them how to go about and begin to deceive people. And that would be their assignment was to go around and kind of push them to go in a different direction. Today we're going to talk about accusing, okay? He, he, he's an accuser. He likes to accuse us. But the thing that you need to realize is, is sometimes I was praying, I was saying, God, how could I bring this out in a way to where they could understand it? Because the spiritual realm's unseen. You can't see it. It's even easier for me to say that, hey, look, this is a spiritual thing. Spiritual things are more real than natural things. But all you look at all day is what? Natural things. Amen. So how can we get a picture of this? Well, I thought about it. I thought, okay, well, when we come to church, and many of you guys have experienced this, maybe when you first got saved, maybe when you're riding down the road, maybe in a moment, a crisis of your life, that you've actually prayed, ask God, He's come in, He's touched your heart. You have felt His presence. I mean, you literally felt it. Come in. Maybe you started crying because, man, something powerful is happening right here. That's the presence of something good. Maybe you've seen an act of kindness. Maybe you've seen somebody help somebody, you know, with, with their, you know, uh, I don't know, groceries or help them with something or maybe you see somebody pay for somebody's gas or pay for somebody's groceries. Maybe you've seen that that's an act of goodness. What does that do? That is a spiritual thing going on, okay, that moved this person to this person to help meet that need. Well, it's the same way in the evil side of it as well. When you see somebody get angry, has anybody in here been mad before? Is there not something that just kind of, especially if you're real mad, it kind of drives you to even get more mad. And it's almost like you have something behind you pushing you to stay that way. No, I'm not going to bend. They're going to bend, not me. You know what I'm saying? Or, you're, you know, somebody's trying to get on the expressway, and you just keep on not letting them get on the expressway. And something's kind of pushing you not to let them on the expressway. No, no, they're not going to get in front of me. I mean, really, like they're really going to stop everything if they did get in front of you. And, and, and we see this going on. Like I talked about a couple weeks ago when I, was, when I was speaking, there was a pastor that just took his life. He was not even 30. He took his life. What do you think was behind him taking his life? What drove him to think that the only answer was to take his life? That was a spiritual evil force that worked on him for a while and then eventually convinced him that the only result to to get out of this mess he was in is to take his own life. What's driving that hurricane to beat the shores of North Carolina? What's driving that? What's driving that? Oh, it's just the weather. It's just the way that the atmosphere and the barometric. No, 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 no. There is evil at work. Anything that brings destruction, my friend, is not nothing that's good. Okay? That don't just happen. There's things that are in the works all the time. Just like God has a perfect plan for our life, the enemy has a messed up plan for our life. And he's working tirelessly, endlessly to try to get us to be deceived, to try to get us to go down roads we shouldn't go. So what what does the Bible say about this? In Ephesians 6, 12, the Apostle Paul puts it like this. He says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. There's things that are pulling and pushing us all the time. God is constantly trying to push us to do the right thing. Push us to make the right choices. He's constantly trying to lead us in that direction. But there's somebody else that's trying to lead us in a, in, in a direction the same way to destroy our lives. And I can tell you something, guys, they're both real. And the enemy uses more of the natural world we live in, the things we see that we think sometimes can bring us fulfillment that can kind of satisfy us, but it's only a temporary feeling. He uses those things to get us to buy into Well, maybe this is the direction I should go. Maybe this is the decision I make. It's more money. It's got to be God, so I might as well take this job. All the while, he's dangling out this carrot out there. You're chasing something that at the end is going to destroy your life. That's why we must realize that we're in a spiritual world. You're a spiritual being having a human experience. You're not a human having a spiritual experience. You are a spiritual being that we tend, we're having this this human experience for a few years. And then we'll return back to wherever we've chosen to go, whether that's heaven with God or hell and destruction with the enemy. We have that choice to decide what we're going to do. So we're in this place, we're, we're in this battle, and the battle is real, and the devil is knocking at everybody's door, everybody's. He's trying to get us to go different directions all the time. So today what I want to do is I want to look at the devil and Satan as the accuser who attacks your heart with accusations. And I want to share a little story before I do of how he actually works. In my own personal life, I'm going to use me. And it just happened just this past week. We're having a real good time. You know, our daughter's down with our grandkids. And man, that's a grandparent's dream is to have your grandparents on vacation with you. Finally, it took a while. But then our, our middle son came down, came in, and we're just all having a great time and enjoying life. And Well, Wednesday night rolled around, and we started talking about some issues of today. Now, how many of you know when you start talking about issues of today, it can kind of get a little touchy, okay? Uh, I'm sure y'all have heard of the name Colin Kaepernick. I'm not going to go down that road, okay, uh, because I, I'm not for or against. I'm not, I'm not saying all that, but I'm just saying we got into a discussion about social injustice. Okay, and how many of you know that social injustice is wrong on every level? We hate it, okay? Well, through the night, we get in this conversation, okay, and I'm just being real and honest with you. They were looking at it from one angle, okay, and I was looking at it from one angle. We both had the same, you know, mindset. It's just we was kind of, it ended up getting into like a little debate and a little bit of an argument, okay? Okay. Well, we closed it down about three hours later. Belinda's laying in bed probably praying for us like, shut up, man. What are you doing, Nathan? Shut up, <laughs> you know, And uh, of course me, You know, there again, that presence is pushing you. Well, I want to get my point across. I want them to see it my way. And I'm going to keep going until they see it my way. That was a force pushing me. And I never got my point. I never got them to buy into my point. They never got me to buy into their point. So we just ended it, loved each other, went to bed. We had a great vacation. It didn't stop that. But I'm laying in the bed. You're a pastor. Look at you. Look at what you did. Man, I mean, started hammering me, the enemy. So I'm laying in the bed. She's asleep. I didn't feel like talking to her. I was hoping she was asleep. <laughs> you know, but I'm sitting there. I didn't want to say, well, what do you think? No, because I know what she's going to say. Well, you know. But I'm just saying the devil started coming in and hammering me like he does some of you guys when you mess up. When you make a mistake, the enemy comes in and he begins to accuse you, accuse you, accuse you. And now I ask God to forgive me and I'm okay. I'm all right. Just like you need to be able to ask God to forgive you quick and know that God will forgive you. So what we need to do is we need to lay in the bed after you make that decision. And you need to do Isaiah 54, 17. It says, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you or no weapon formed against you shall prosper, okay? You've got to be able to look at the devil after you've repented. That's a problem with a lot of people. We want to go ahead and sin and make all these mistakes and do all this stuff, but we act like we don't need to repent for them. Oh, absolutely you do. Well, let me come on down here. <laughs> absolutely we do. we got to repent of these things. You leave something unrepented, you're leaving the door open no matter what you talk to God about. That door is wide open. And then when destruction comes in, decisions don't happen the way you want them to, things are not going the way you want them to, it's on you. Repentance is a gift that God gave us to use to benefit us. Repent. Turn away from. Turn the other way. Get away from what you just did. Ask God to forgive you, and He will. And when He does, don't let the enemy keep beating you over the head. Hallelujah. Where do we see this accuser, the devil, the accuser at? In Revelation 12, 10. This is John, and he says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. You have an enemy that's constantly trying to find something wrong that you did, and he's trying to take it before God. That's why we have to be like like Peter said. We have to, to, to be, be, be open-minded. We have to be aware of the enemy going around seeking who he may devour. He's trying to devour us. And if we continue to let him have the keys to direct our life, guess what he'll do? He will devour us. Every single person in this room, guys, you have a choice. Every single day, who's going to drive your vehicle, which is your life. Everybody. We have it. And we either give the keys to the right driver or the wrong driver every single day. But they're right there ready to take the keys every day. See, the devil's pushy, so he's going to try to push his way in. God is not pushy, okay? He's a gentleman. He's asking for the keys, very gentlemanlike, and he wants to direct you down the right path. And like I was telling Belinda and why this series is so, so real to me, is I, as a coach, when I coached baseball for years, was trying to coach a team to victory. I want to be able to coach you to victory in your personal life because everybody in this room, you're going to have a day that you wish you'd have paid attention in church. Everybody in this room is going to to wish that they had been exercising everything they've learned. One day you're going to have a time where you're going to be able to exercise everything that you've had an opportunity to be a part of because your life, like my life, is going to face a crisis. You're going to face something hard. And the problem is with those that that do it from a place of victory or you're trying to get victory, it means that you probably are not going to make it. You're not going to make it. If you have not been exercising this every day of your life or every week and you're trying to exercise what what you've been learning, what's going to happen when the enemy comes and he knocks at your door? A lot of times we don't know how to handle it. In the world we live in, we have a church that's really more about blaming God for something that went wrong versus knowing that the enemy is the one that does wrong. Amen? We've got to recognize who's at the door knocking to want to get in. But if you don't recognize that and you're not aware of that because you're more aware of all the other things in the world, then guess what? He'll just come right on in and he'll make his abode in your house. He'll make his, his living in your house. You know, the Greek word di- di- diablos is mentioned 35 times in the New Testament, which it just, it just means devil, adversary, accuser. But the devil kind of operates like this. Before you sin, he'll kind of convince you, hey, it's no big deal. Hey, everybody's doing it. You know what I'm saying? It's no big deal. You can go ahead and do this. Ain't nobody going to find out. You're okay to do it. But the minute you do it, then what does he do? I can't believe you. My God, man, you call yourself a Christian and look at you doing that kind of stuff. Look at what you're doing. He wants to hammer you over the head because you did it. But before, it was okay. It's all right. You can go ahead and do it. Nobody's going to know it. It's all right. We've all been there, okay? Go ahead and give them a piece of your mind, okay? Go ahead and tell them the truth. They need to know the truth. Well, you may start out by telling them the truth, but the next thing you know, you're actually having, I mean, a war with somebody, okay? Okay? But then he makes you feel really bad when you do something wrong. But today I want to look at a powerful story. And this is a powerful story, guys, of uh, uh, in the book of Zechariah about a man named Joshua. Okay? This setting that we're going to be talking about, and you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Zechariah 3. But this setting is like a courtroom. Because, guys, we are in that setting even right now. We're in a courtroom type setting. All right? You and I are absolutely living a life to where either our accuser is building a case or the defender is building a case on our behalf. But this setting is a a courtroom. God is the judge in this story. Joshua is the high priest. He's the defendant. And Satan is the prosecutor or the accuser. So we're going to pick this up in uh, Zechariah 3, verses 1. It goes on like this. It says, Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at the right hand to accuse him. The Lord said to Satan, The Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. So we have Joshua in the courtroom that's dressed in what? Filthy, dirty clothes. This is kind of like me and you before we come to know Jesus. We have dirty, filthy clothes on. But when we come to Jesus, what does Jesus do? He gives us a robe that's white. He gives us a new life. We become white as snow. He takes the old and brings the new. He takes the old dirty self and he cleans us to where now we're not like that. But Satan is taking Joshua before God and he's kind of pitching a case to him. And he's trying to get God to let him be able to do something to Joshua based on his clothes, based on where he was. But that's not the case because the great defender steps in. Hallelujah. And uh, the devil is the accuser. Jesus is our advocate. Let's look at who was getting ready to step in and we'll finish the story. In 1 John two one, it says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who is truly righteous. You have an advocate. I have an advocate that is actually standing with us. That's why we need to be working constantly with our advocate, working with our defender, Jesus. We need to be constantly giving him the things he needs to defend us. You know, if you was going to get an attorney to defend you, one of the things that the attorney would do would first tell you, be quiet. Don't say nothing else about what's going on, okay? You report to me and only to me. Don't you be talking to the enemy. Don't you be talking to the accuser. You only talk to me. And it's the same thing with Jesus. That's why he's constantly wanting to get us in his word. He's constantly wanting to get us in the presence of other followers in, in churches and stuff like that because we're hearing his word. We're getting it in our heart. Then that's what's going to come out of our mouth in the time of trouble instead of giving the enemy something to where he can actually take us out. Hallelujah. So the devil is the accuser. Jesus is our advocate. Amen. Devil hurls accusations at Joshua, but Jesus is our defense. And in this story, guys, that I just read, the angel of the Lord is really, metaphorically, that is Jesus, okay, standing in this in the Old Testament. Okay, Jesus appeared in, in metaphoric ways uh, in the Old Testament, you know, like Daniel in the lion's den. Not, not Well, he, he did there too to shut all the mouths of lions. But y'all remember the three Hebrew children that got tossed into the fire, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And then there was a fourth man in there. Well, that was the Son of God. That was Jesus. So he showed up in different ways. But right here he shows up too in this courtroom case. As Joshua's defender. But it goes on to say in Zechariah 3, 4, it says, The angel said to those who were standing before him, Take off Joshua's filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, See, I have taken away your sin, and I will put fine garments on you. Friend, that is the best news that me and you will ever hear on the Day of Judgment, is when we stand before God Almighty, and the enemy would love to see us wiped out at that moment. But yet Jesus says, no, nah, nah, nah. they came to me. I took their old life. I gave them a new life. They're no longer that old wretched sinner. They're now the righteousness of God. They're a son or a daughter of the Most High God. And that's why we've got to continue to live this. This is not a one-time experience. It's a lifetime commitment that we've made to follow Jesus with all of our heart. It kind of reminds me of the prodigal son. And many of y'all may have known that story in Luke chapter 15 where the son, or he had two sons. The father had, you know, uh, two sons, and then the younger came to the father and said, hey, look, I want my inheritance. I want to get out of here. I want to go do something. So the father does what, you know, a good father would do. He gives him his inheritance, and he leaves, and he parties. He goes to Vegas, and he just has a blast. Spends everything he's got. Next thing you know, he looks up, and he's surrounded by pigs. He's dirty. He's filthy. He's broke. And he comes back to the father. And what's the father do the first time he sees him out there in that field? He runs after him, but he takes his robe off, and he puts it around his son. Friend, that is just a beautiful picture of Joshua in this story and you and me. When we mess up, we don't run from God. We run to God because, guys, running from God, it only gets worse. You keep running from God, and I'm going to tell you what, it'll get darker. It'll get darker, and I'm going to tell you something. It will absolutely be a lonely trail, guys. But when we're lost and when we mess up, we run to God. Our Father will put that, that robe back around us and welcome us back into the family. It goes on to say in Zechariah 3, verses 5 and 7, it says, Then I said, Put on a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him. While the angel of the Lord stood by, the angel of the Lord gave this charge to Joshua. This is what the Lord Almighty says. If you will walk in obedience. Notice the word If. If. You will walk in obedience to me and keep my requirements. Then you will govern my house, have charge over my courts, and I will give you a place among these standing here. If you and I will continue to obey, will continue to do what God tells us to do. God always has a place for us. And as I was thinking about this, I thought about Peter. Y'all remember Peter when he denied the Lord three times? And in one uh, particular gospel, I think it's Luke, he denied the Lord that third time. And when he did, the rooster crowed. But he also, it calls the account of where he looked. He saw Jesus down there. Jesus turned back and looked at him. So you had Peter and Jesus eyeball to eyeball. And he just denied Jesus the third time. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame that was on Peter at that moment? I mean, he probably felt, my God, he probably felt so, so bad. Real bad. And it was so bad that he left. And he says, the Bible says he he wept bitterly. He left. I mean, he was suicidal, my friends. I mean, I'm sure he had thoughts of ending it right there. I mean, it was a bad scene. But we see Jesus, after he's raised from the dead, he, he goes to Peter. When Peter's out there in the boat, Peter sees him. And Peter jumps out of the boat and runs to Jesus. And Jesus has this conversation with him. He says, Do you love me, Peter? Feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Feed my sheep. He was giving him an assignment, even though he had messed up. See, so your assignment is never over with God unless you quit. We're all going to make mistakes, guys. These stories that are in the Bible—they're for us to learn by. Never give up. Don't let the enemy win. Never the enemy. Never we. I hate the enemy. I hate the devil. And what keeps me going every single day is the fact that I might have the opportunity to grab somebody or help somebody get out of his kingdom. As a, as a pastor of a church, I want to see a church that is so focused on helping that one person that we might can get out of bondage and into deliverance. Get out of jail and get into to blessings and, and help. You know what I'm saying? I want to help those people because the, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to hurt people. He wants to wipe out people. And you never know when you and I are going to be placed on assignment by God right next to somebody in your world that the enemy's just hammering. And they could be a follower of Christ. Because I'm going to tell you something. There is nobody that he would rather take out more than somebody that says Jesus is Lord. Why is that? He wants to get you to heaven as soon as possible. He don't want you to have a chance or an opportunity to create revival at school or revival in the community. I'm telling you, he just don't want to see that. But I'll say this about revival. Do we need a revival in America? Yeah. I mean, you see the news. It's all around. We need revival in America. Well, do you know where revival starts? It starts with you and me. The world don't need revival, okay? The church needs revival. If we'll get on fire, they will come watch us burn. The problem is we don't have no fire in the church because we've got the enemy knocking on the door. Got him just leading everybody this way, leading everybody this way. Oh, man, you need to go. You need to watch this. You need to come over here. You need to go here. You need to do this. Man, if you'll do this, oh, this will satisfy you. If you'll be in this relationship, it's awesome. We're just letting the enemy just kind of direct us wherever we go. But yet we still come to church. We still go through the motions of a Christian. But there is no fire burning within each of our hearts Monday through Saturday. I mean a desire to know God, to fellowship with God. I mean, guys, look, we live in one of the most technology-driven societies, the most informational uh, places on ever. And the enemy is just using all this. you got 8,000 channels. when I mean, you go on vacation, and, man, my gosh, you could turn to your finger's hurting. I mean, how many more channels do I got to you know, do? There's so much distraction all around us. Who is going to be the one in a church this size, big, small? It don't matter. All it takes is one person saying, you know what, enough's enough. I'm giving my whole life to Jesus. I'm going all out for him. They may not say what I want them to say. They may not do what I want them to do. But I'm not here for me. I come to church to burn. Because I want to be a part of something that is so electric. So on fire. That when people are around this building. When they're around us. They feel something that they don't feel normally. And that can happen in a body of believers. But if we live life. And we just don't realize that there's an enemy trying to take us out then what we can do is we can come numb to the situations around us. And we don't want to do that. Hallelujah. The angel of the Lord, he said, remove those filthy clothes. They put on some holy garments. He said, return to the d- temple and keep serving the Lord. That's what our great God will do with you. You know, 1 John 1, 9 was written to Christians. And it was just one that I've just memorized right off the bat. Now, now I know why, because it's written to me. Because this is a verse I can use when I mess up. And it says that that if we would uh, come to God, come to Jesus, and we would repent, He's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Why would that be in there? We live in a world now that was just kind of like, well, you know, once you're saved, you're saved. You don't ever have to go before God or anything like that. No, 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 no. Yes, you do. When you mess up, you better ask God to forgive you. Amen? Because if you don't, it's for your cause, not God's cause. Because unrepented sin is like a gate open for the enemy to flood in. I mean, if you ignore it, I'm telling you, it won't go away. It'll only get bigger. And in your life, it can lead to destruction. But when you fail, when you fall, when you mess up, man, receive forgiveness. Get back up. Keep serving God. Hallelujah. You done something wrong? It's important to distinguish between two things, guys. Satan's accusations and the Spirit's conviction. Satan will come to us and just give. I mean, just beat us, condemn us, beat us over the head. He will. He'll make you feel bad about what you did. I promise you. He will encourage you to do the bad thing. And then when you do it, I'll tell you, it's lights out, but it's on. He's going to make you feel like a worm. But then God comes in and he says, hey, look, I'm convicting you. I'm convicting you of this wrong because I want you to make it right. He's leading you. Okay? Love leads, fear controls. Okay? So God's leading us to a place to where it's going to be beneficial for all of us. And when you miss it, that's not to end. It's not to end because guess what? I'm in a room full of people. Y'all messed up this week. I messed up this week. I already told y'all my mess up. By you know, we've all messed up. But it's what do we do in the mess up? I mean, what do we do? I mean, you take yesterday. There was There was a lot of college football games that were played yesterday, okay? Well, in that in that that day, did you think that they just they woke up Saturday morning and said, Okay, we're going to start preparing, how are we going to do this? Or did they start Monday, maybe some cases Sunday. They took film of their opponent. They brought it in, and they began to start going through this thing. They brought the players in. They start going through this thing. How's the offense? How's the defense? Where's their weak? Where are they strong? What's this player do? They started breaking it down. That's their opponent. They're getting prepared for their opponent six days out before they ever face them. And they're spending hours going over this film to find out how we can beat that team. Here we are in a game called life. There's an enemy that wants to take out your kids, wants to take you away from your job, wants to take you away from your spouse. He wants to wipe you out every single day. But yet we do not study the game plan. We do not be aware of him as he's walking around. We want to know, what is he doing when he's walking around? How is he going to affect me? Is it him that's affecting me? We want to be aware of that. Because I'm telling you guys, if we're not, just like any team that plays today or anytime, basketball basketball, any of those teams, if they're not prepared, they got a chance of getting beat really, really bad. It's preparation, preparation. Satan accuses... What wants you to feel guilty, experience regret and remorse. The Spirit convicts. The Spirit will draw you to the presence of God to experience grace. God's always bringing us in. Guys, He knows we're going to mess up. And he knows that the enemy is going to accuse you. He's going to beat you down. He's going to condemn you. He's going to try to get you to give up. He's going to try to get you to pull the trigger. He's going to try to get you to overdose. He's going to try to get you to walk away from your spouse, walk away from your family, walk away from your job. He's going to try to constantly be working on you to get you away. And then when you do, he's going to be right there to beat you like you worm. You are nothing. You're no good. We cannot let the accuser make us feel that way. We've got to run from that stuff. And many of you in this room today, man, you can sit here and you can think, are you really giving God your whole life? Are you really all in? Because this stuff don't work if you ain't all in. It don't. You'll live a miserable life. Just play in church, playing Christianity. It don't work. And I think sometimes we need to sit there and we need to think about it. This is a big deal. Guys, when you leave today, there's a great God that's going to love you and he's going to help you and he's going to guide you as you allow him. But you also have an enemy that he wants to distract you, wants to get you off track. He wants to take you out. And we have to ask ourselves, man, what are we willing to give up What are we willing to do to constantly be hearing the voice of our great God to lead us where we need to go? Amen? Hallelujah. Glory to God. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your name. God knows your sin but he calls you by your name. Let me say that again. The devil knows your name but calls you by your sin. God knows your sin, but he calls you by your name. That is so powerful, guys. Sometimes we let the enemy, <laughs> okay? We let the enemy just, just define us by what we've done wrong. And that is, that is absolutely wrong, guys. God wants to identify you by what you can be. Amen? 2 Corinthians 10 tells us this, verse 3. For though we live in the world, would you all agree we live in the world? Hallelujah. We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Who does that? We do. The thoughts are going to come, guys. You're having thoughts right now while I'm speaking. Everybody in the room having thoughts. You'll have thoughts all through the day. You have to choose which ones you're going to let affect your life and which ones are not. And I can tell you, if we let the wrong thoughts keep staying around, it will drive us to do things we shouldn't do. But the Bible says that we cast those down. We take authority over them. You may have a thought that says you're a failure. You should be ashamed. You need to stand up and say, no, I'm the righteousness of God. Jesus has made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. I'm the head not to tell. I'm above and not beneath. Greater is he that's on the inside of me than he that's in the world. You will have feelings of you're not worthy. Nobody likes you. You're not pretty enough. You're not good enough. You're going to have all these things bombard you. Man, you have messed up so many times, it ain't even worth trying again. I mean, how many more relationships do you need to be in to realize that you are nothing? I mean, we hear these things, man. You know, it's all the time just beating us over the head of who we're not, who we, who we never will be. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I'm going to tell you right now, God takes the foolish things of the world to confront the wise. Now, if you won't accept that, I will, okay? I am a foolish thing, and I'm saying, God, here I am. I mean, use me, Lord. Use me however you want to use me to where I can bring you great glory. I'm telling you, man, I went to this church this past Sunday on vacation, okay? We found a church. We went to it. We walked in. It's packed out. But where did I know a seat would be? I came right up here and sat right on the front row, a few people here. Shook the pastor's hand before he preached. Why? It's because I'm going somewhere to expect God to talk to me. I'm not going there just to be another seat or another person in a seat. I'm excited about being in church. I'm not excited about who's in church with me. I am the church. That's just what we do. I'm going to hear from God. I'm excited about coming in there. I'm praying for the pastor. I'm praying for him while he's speaking. I'm receiving. God's speaking to me in that service. Why? Because I'm tuned in. I'm leaning in. Anytime you come to church, we live in a world now to where if the pastor don't wow me, if the, if, if the entertainment or whatever is not that powerful, I mean, we're going there with the wrong motives. If we all came hungry for the Word of God, hungry to see a move of God, I can tell you right now, it would direct it redirect everything we do right here. And I'm going to be honest with you, man. As, as a child of God and a person that wants to see revival in America... I'm done with just coming to church. I'm done with just showing up and saying, okay, did we get the right programs right? Or did we get everybody, oh, well, you messed up. No, I want to come to church, and I want to get on my face before God, and I want to see God do something through this body of believers, just like he did in the book of Acts. But if we're not careful, we're going to buy into the lies of the enemy, and we're going to let that joker just keep knocking on all of our family's door, knocking on all of our life, knocking on our teenagers, knocking, and we're just going to let him direct us through life. And put emphasis on things that are not that important. Because at the end of the day, if we're doing something other than helping people and serving God, it's going to be worthless at the end of the day. How hard you work, how much stuff you buy, it will not mount up to a hill of beans when you're standing before God Almighty. And I'm telling you, that's true, guys. And one of the things in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2, 3, and 4, the thing they were getting right is it was about people. It wasn't about our houses. It wasn't about our cars. It wasn't about our stuff. There was a fire burning. There was a hunger. And they were going about the community seeing what needs to be be met. And they were making it. They were making it happen. Because, see, church was not a thing they did. It was who they were. It wasn't wasn't a one-service deal to where we need to sing all the songs right. We need to make sure we pick out everything right. How do I look? Do I look good? It ain't about you. It ain't about me. It's about him. He can make us look good. Amen? Amen? And no matter what we have on, He can make us look good. And I'm telling you, I want to be a part of a church to where people are not looking for excuses not to come together. We're looking for reasons to get together. Because together we're better. And together we can make things happen. We're going to have prayer starting the first Sunday in October. That's just the start. I want it to climb and go and go and go to where we're praying effectively together on a regular basis. Why? Because we want to see our community change. We want to see our families change. Where does that happen? On our knees, friend. I'm telling you, when we're on our knees, God is doing things we can't do. When we're not on our knees, the accuser is doing things he wants to do. You can't avoid God and expect to get God results. You're going to have to yield to his way if you're going to get his way. And that's all I want to see. I want to see a church that comes in here. It ain't about a speaker. It ain't about a person. It ain't about a worship team. No, it's about Jesus. Jesus. We want to help people. We want to see people come through here that are sick, they get healed. People that are depressed, they get touched. They get touched, man. They get changed. That's what Jesus was about. I mean, the enemy wants to, to, to just, and I'm going to tell you something, guys, to be honest with you. That a lot of times the enemy is just, he's in a lot of church, churches himself. Because people just come in and they sit there and they judge. They're looking for reasons of why. It ain't good. Looking for things that ain't right. I mean, if you're looking for a perfect speaker, I'm not the one. I'll be the first to tell you. But I can tell you this right now. I'm a speaker that loves Jesus with all his heart. And I'm going to keep going after him. And I'm going to lead as many people as I can. But I'm going to tell you something. Revolution Church is just not going to be a (laughs) church that we come to. It's going to be a church that breeds the presence of God. And I am willing, and I'm telling you guys, I'm to the point in my life where I'm just, I mean, it's it's all or nothing, man. I mean, either we're all in or we're not. I mean, seriously. The enemy's all in. The enemy's for real. He don't play. He pushes us and drives us to be depressed. He drives us to make stupid decisions. He drives us to to, to just do things that ain't right. He continually pushes us to be angry, upset, not happy, pushing us, pushing us, pushing us, pushing us. When are we going to push back? When are we going to stand up and push him back? Say, no, man, no more of that crap around here. For me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going all out for Jesus. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take the Bible, and we're going to let it come in us, in our community, in our house, and we're going to let it just radiate. We're going to serve God no matter what anybody else does. What would happen to a church that begin to just start saying, you know what, not my will, but your will, God, be done. I'm serious. I really believe that we start seeing some things happen. People came in church sick and they left healed. What would that be like? People come in church broke and this church is so rich that we bless them so much when they leave, everything's caught up. What about a church like that? What about a church that's really more into helping others than helping yourself? Well, they just don't do things the way I think should be done. Well, There is churches all over. (laughs) Shop around. Shop around. But my heart is to do the Acts church more than any other church in the world because I know what it's like to be sick. I know what it's like to be hurting. I know what it's like to be lost. I know what it's like to be without Jesus. And I want to see people come in here to meet Jesus, to meet a loving church, a loving people that would rather love you than to eat today at lunch. That's what I desire. And I'm saying, if we're going to do this, let's do it. Let's all get in, all in. I mean, we have the Next Step program around here. I challenge you to get involved in the Next Steps. Will the Next Steps change your life? No. (laughs) But relationship will. It leads you to a relationship with other people. And I promise you guys, we can't do this by ourselves. We've got to have each other. And I just want us to really, in our own hearts, man, as we go through this, this series and as we you know, move through it, and we look to the days ahead. I'm telling you, I am going to do my best with God's help to coach you guys to victory. We are going to be a victorious church. We are going to be that, okay? I mean, as a group, not just me, there's going to be others God raises up in here to teach and, and sing and do other things. We're a family. It ain't about just me. But I can tell you what, if we'll continue to pull together and we'll continue not to look at our insufficient stuff and in our, you know, well, you're not as strong as this. You're not as strong. How about if we just grab each other by the hand and say, you know what? I'm going to help you. 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 What if we just started grabbing people and we said, you know what? You may not be strong in every area, but I'm going to stand with you. Because if we get this thing right together, I promise you it will be attractive to this lost world out here. Amen? Glory to God. I'm telling you, it will. It will. So everybody bow your head and close your eyes. I'm just going to shut up. I can keep going. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we love you today. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Satan, you'll have no place in our families. Satan, you'll have no place in our families, in our church, in our lives. Father, today, I believe I speak of all of us. Today, I pray, Father God, that we all make a commitment at the altar of our heart that we're going to go after you with everything we have. Father, I pray that from this day forward, we're saying yes to the will of God. We're saying yes to you. We're saying no to our own life. We're saying no to the things in our life. We're saying yes to you. Yes to your ways. And we, Father, ask you, Holy Spirit, to direct our paths in the days ahead. Because we're going to do great things in your name.